Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Hey, uh, Boudreaux was wanting to make some extra cash, so he picked up a little handyman service, and uh, he was going through a kind of an affluent, wealthy neighborhood, looking for odd jobs, knocked on the first door, and uh, told the guy what you know, he was all about. And the guy said, well, I need somebody to paint my porch. What would you uh, charge me to, to paint my porch? And Boudreaux said, well, I'll do it for 50 bucks. He said, okay, well, all right. He said, all the supplies that you need are right there in the garage. Uh, get after it. He closed the door and his wife said, I can't believe that guy's willing to do this for 50 bucks. We have a wraparound porch. That's a lot of work. He said, well, if he's willing to do it for 50, I'm sure gonna... Pay him 50 bucks. So Boudreaux wraps up the job, knocks on the door within like an hour and a half. And the guy said, that's remarkable. You were able to do that in so short a time. And uh, Boudreaux said, hey, no problem. He said, in fact, I had some you know, extra supplies. And so I went ahead and did a second coat. The guy said, that's remarkable. Boudreaux said, oh, ain't nothing to it. Glad to help you out today. He said, by the way, that's not a Porsche, that's a Ferrari. <laughs> so if Boudreaux comes by your house, y'all, come on, come on, come on. Welcome to week three of our message series I'm calling Fitness Resort. And we felt that it was important to define both of those terms. I want us to all be on the same page. So when I talk about fitness, what I'm really talking about is wellness. I'm talking about what it means to be whole, to be sound. I'm talking about your well-being, not just physically. That's part of the equation. We talked about that last week. But I'm talking about your well-being in every regard. How are you doing relationally? How are you doing spiritually? Um, And so that's what I'm getting to when I talk to you about the fitness resort. And then the, the term resort can actually be defined a couple of different ways, and both of them come into play uh, in, in the things that I'm going to share with you today. So a resort can be a destination, a place that you arrive at, a place you abide. Uh, we've all been to those beach resorts or ski resorts, but a resort can also describe a, a decision that you make. And many times when someone is kind of at the end of their rope, and they finally decide out of desperation to take certain measures, they'll refer to that as a last resort. And what we're wanting to say to you through this series is that fitness should never be a last resort. That if the destination you wanna arrive at and you wanna abide at is a place of fitness, wholeness, wellness, soundness, then you need to make that decision and you need to make it now. You need to prioritize it. You need to make it a top shelf priority within your life. That's true as it relates to your physical fitness. It's true as it relates to faith, certainly. And it's also true as it relates to your finances. And that's what I really wanna lean in with you uh, about today The fact that financial fitness must not be a last resort. Sometimes it seems to me that people wait until they're on the verge of bankruptcy, until they're so far in over their head that they can never get out 
to finally resort to some things that could have set them up for financial fitness, for fiscal well-being. Now, I don't want you to do that, and God doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to allow financial fitness to be some last resort. I want you to hear what God said through his apostle, John, in John's third letter there in the New Testament. And by the way, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, that this is God speaking through men as they wrote the books that make up the Bible. So this isn't John's sentiment for us as followers of Jesus. It's God's sentiment for you. And here's what he said in 3 John uh, verse 2. He said, beloved, I like what he calls you. Beloved, I wish above all things. God's saying this is a top shelf priority for me. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God's saying, listen, first and foremost, I want you well spiritually. I want you whole. I want you sound. I want you prospering within the realm of your spiritual life. But just like you prosper spiritually, God says, I want you to prosper and I want you to be in health. He says, I want you financially fit. I want you doing well. Now, a lot of people who've been raised in a religious mindset We'll push back on the idea that God cares about our finances, that, that God uh, has some things to say about how we handle our finances. You might be surprised to learn that Jesus actually had more to say about money than he did heaven or hell. And, and I don't know about you, but I want the wisdom of God concerning finances and how I handle finances. After all, when you read about God in his in his word, what you discover is God's doing pretty well, y'all. <laughs> in fact, in heaven, the way it's described in the Bible, they're doing so well there that our most precious commodity, gold, is what they paved the streets with. The thing of the, great, of the greatest value here on earth is just asphalt to them. So I, I want to hear what God's got to say about money and about finances. And it's obvious here that God, yes, wants us doing well spiritually, but that's not his only concern. It's his primary concern, but right along with it, he really wants us doing well physically and he really wants us doing well financially. He's made our financial fitness really a top priority. I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'll start at verse 11. Paul writes here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. He says, make that your ambition. In other words, let this be a top shelf priority for you. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you so your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. God says, listen, I want you to make it a top shelf priority to trust me so that your finances are fit, so that you're doing well financially, so you don't have to look for government assistance, you don't have to look for somebody else to help you out, you're going to have everything you need. God said, I want you to make that your business, to make that your ambition. Y'all, you need to recognize and understand here that God absolutely has expectations for us on a financial level. 
and that, that God really longs to meet every need that we have. In fact, he, he doesn't want to just meet your immediate needs, but he also wants to give you more than enough to meet those needs so that you can actually be generous with others, so you can actually help someone else out. And so instead of you needing someone to assist you, you'll be the one who will be able to assist others. That's where God wants you to abide. That's the destination. That's the resort God wants you to be in. But we've got some decisions to make. And he says, he says, make this your ambition. Get this on the top shelf so that you may win the respect of outsiders. You know what he's saying? He's saying fitness is a witness. How fit you are relationally, how fit you are physically, financially, spiritually is really going to say something to those around you. Years ago when we had our little farm out in Bro Bridge and we had horses, you know, I'd, I'd grown up uh, riding horseback and loved it so much and I wanted our children to have that same kind of experience. So we, we would always buy older horses because they're much more calm and, you know, they, I, I just didn't want my kids to get hurt, you know, so I, I, I bought these uh, old horses that were, you know, so broken and so easy to ride and so easy going. And the thing about buying older horses like that is they don't last long. I buried a number of horses out in Bro Bridge through the years. And I had an old mare once out with the other horses that she was up at a stage of, of her life where she couldn't keep weight on any longer. No matter what I would feed her and try to keep weight on her, she just got down to skin and bones. It's just the way kind of life happens. Well, don't you know, one day I had animal control show up at my house inquiring about this skinny horse. And it bothered me so bad that obviously a neighbor or someone passing by saw the condition that she was in and thought that I was mistreating one of my animals, that I wasn't taking care of her. Uh, I guess they just ignored the four or five fat as a butterball horses standing around her and just focused on the one skinny horse. And so once animal control got there, they could see she was just an older horse and it was the way that things were. But it still just really, really bothered me that someone would think that I wouldn't take care of my own. Can I tell you the same is true of God? Listen, God wants us financially fit because he doesn't want this world thinking he doesn't take care of his children. He wants to be that God that he promised to be in your life where he meets every need that you have. In fact, his very name, what he calls himself there in the scripture reveals his sentiment for our financial well-being. His name is Jehovah Jireh in the Hebrew. That means the Lord who provides. Come on, y'all, that's who he is. He's the Lord who provides. Another name he gives himself is El Shaddai. And in that Hebrew language, this is exactly what El Shaddai means. It means the God who's more than enough. In fact, Today, God wants you to know he's not just enough for you. He's not just enough to take care of you and your own. He's the God who's more than enough. He wants to provide some lanyap. Come on, Cajuns. He wants to provide you more than enough so that he can make you a blessing. That's what he told Abraham. In blessing, I will bless you. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. 
And when you study the scripture, you see God took care of his people. Abraham was a very wealthy man. David was a very wealthy man. We see Job as a very wealthy man. And in the scripture, their wealth was measured not just by how they were doing spiritually. It was measured in camels and donkeys and and houses and lands and all these things. So, So God is a provider. Listen to Philippians 4.19. It says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Aren't you thankful that him supplying our needs doesn't happen according to our economy? It doesn't happen according to the job we work at, but it happens according to his riches in glory that God provides for his own. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God. I, I want us today to make a top shelf priority within our life, fiscal fitness, financial well-being, and know that God is our own personal finance fitness trainer. You know, when you, when you get ready to get physically fit, Typically, you'll hire coaching, you know, someone that can help you dietarily to know what to eat, what not to eat. Or, or you'll hire a, a, a trainer at the gym to help you uh, to think about what kind of exercise you need to do, uh, how to do weight training right, all those kind of things. Well, listen, God has provided financial fitness training for us, and he is the trainer. He's the one that's going to train us. He's going to be your personal trainer. Does that sound good to everybody? He promised that in Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. God said, listen, if you let me, I'm gonna teach you how to profit. I'm gonna teach you how to enjoy plenty, how to enjoy financial well-being. And the wonderful thing about God's program and look, I'm not saying don't get a, a financial coach here in this life. That can be of a great assistance to you. But here's what you need to know. If they're doing their job right, they might not even be aware of it, but what they're actually gonna teach you are biblical principles. Everything, every sound financial advisor is gonna tell you comes right from the word of God, whether they know it or not. It's not their wisdom. It's not their institution's wisdom. It's all the wisdom right there in the word of God. So why not let God be our financial coach today, right? Listen, here's the thing I love about his program. It lasts. It's not just a windfall that lasts for a day or two and then all of a sudden it's gone. No, no, no. God's financial fitness program lasts. Statistics tell us 70% of those who win the lottery go broke within just a few years. So we're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about sound biblical principles that help us to accumulate wealth and maintain it to the glory of God. Proverbs 8, 18 says, with wisdom, with God's wisdom, are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity. Enduring, mean, meaning it lasts. God's financial fitness program lasts. It'll last you a lifetime. Now, our fit finances can help actually subsidize God's kingdom objectives. One of the reasons God wants you blessed as his follower is because he wants to make you a blessing. 
He wants to make you a conduit that he can use to channel finances the right direction so that his kingdom can be established here upon the earth, so that the gospel can be shared all over the world. How many know God wants that? And how many know that costs money? And so God wants to bring us to a place of financial fitness so that our needs are met and so that we can help to uh, propagate the gospel all over the world through God's kingdom objectives. Listen to Deuteronomy. You guys don't mind if we study the Bible, do you? Okay, Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, watch this, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So many people push back on these ideas uh, and they label it stuff like, oh, it's the prosperity gospel. And don't get me wrong. I know that there are some teachers that have taken these ideas to the extreme and we don't do that here. We approach the word of God with a very balanced, with a, a, a godly and a wise balance. But listen, it's undeniable that the scripture throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament alike, speaks to God wanting to bless his children. A lot of people will say, well, look, Jesus himself was poor. What makes you think that? Did you know that Judas was Jesus' treasurer? If he didn't have any money, what did he need a treasurer for? And did you know that the Bible actually says that God takes delight in the prosperity of his people? And so what we need to see, what we need to understand is God said, remember the Lord your God for it's he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. What's this covenant? This covenant is redemption. This covenant is the world looking to Jesus as their savior. That's his kingdom objective and he wants to raise us up with enough, not only to meet our own needs, but to meet the needs of the kingdom and take care of those kingdom objectives and see the gospel reach the, the far reaches of the world. Amen? So what I wanna do the next few minutes is I wanna go through a little financial workout with you. And I want you to begin to work out with the weight of what I'm about to share. And you know, that term weight can mean responsibility. So I want us to begin to responsibly do what the Bible says is fiscally sound, is, is fiscal wisdom. So let me give you that financial workout. It begins, number one, with the tithe. It begins with the tithe. And that term tithe uh, means tenth. And it speaks to the first 10% of our income. God in the Bible, calls that first 10% of our income holy and his. And the tithe is God's way of testing us to see if we'll be faithful with what he puts in our hands. And it's also our way of testing God. Lane already mentioned that earlier in the service. God told us to test him with the tithe. And he says, if you'll be faithful with the tithe, just watch and see if I don't open the window of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you, there's not room enough to receive it. In other words, it'll be more than enough. So our workout begins with the tithe. It begins with us being faithful with the first 10% of our income. And as we're faithful with the tithe, bringing it in to his storehouse, into his uh, local church, he says, you'll ensure that there's meat in my father's house. Now, 
as you came into church, you don't see any beef hanging on the walls here. Uh, when he speaks of meat, um, Jesus said this. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. So what God's saying is, I want you to make sure my work gets done and that it's paid for and that there's ministry in place so that the gospel is preached, so people are discipled, so people are trained and taught and learned. Listen, I want all of that to be taken care of and I'm gonna take care of it through the tithe. And he says in Malachi 3, verse six, I don't change. So you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, You've turned away from my decrees. You've not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how do we return? And here's what God asks us in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you're robbing Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God said, the tithe is a test. He's testing us, and we get to test him. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I know that I have tithers here in the house and tithers that are joining us online, and you've been faithful with the tithe, and you know that all this is true. You know how God proves himself fiscally to you as you're faithful with what's his. But there are others of you that aren't tithers, and you've never known this blessing that God promises. You've never experienced this. So we're issuing to you today a tithe challenge. Just like Malachi chapter three instructs us, I wanna challenge you to become a tither, to test God, to watch and see if God doesn't really show up in ways you've never seen before to help you financially and bless you financially. And I believe so strongly in this. We do this every year for the last few years. I'm uh, issuing a 90-day tithe challenge. Right there in the seat back in front of you is a card like this that you can take and just pull out right now. And if you're not a tither, I challenge you to become a tither today and over the next 90 days, put God to the test and see if God doesn't show up in remarkable ways within your finances. And I believe in this so strongly. Here's what I'll say to you. If if in 90 days you come back and say, hey, God hasn't blessed me and God hasn't really proven himself to me, I'll refund everything you've given in that 90 days. I'll pay it back. And some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy going, Jeff, why in the world will you do that? Because I know who God is and I know how God proves himself faithful. So fill this out. Fill this out. On the way out today, hand it to one of our ministry assistants. They'll get it into our office, and we'll, we'll correspond with you, and we'll get you started on the 90-day tithe challenge. That's the first of this series of kind of exercises, this workout, this fiscal workout that's going to get you healthy uh, financially. Second thing that I want to show you in the Word of God is you need to commit to budgeting. This is where we live within our means. We're not spending beyond the means that God has provided, but we're budgeting what we have so that we make sure that we're faithful. In Proverbs chapter six, verse six and through verse eight, here's what God says. He says, go to the ant, 
you sluggard. Man, he doesn't mix words, does he? (laughs) Sluggard means lazy person. He says, go to the ant, you lazy person, and consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander. The ant has no overseer or ruler, yet the ant stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. God's saying, listen, have the wisdom of at least an insect, like an ant, where you don't spend today what you're gonna need tomorrow, but where you budget accordingly and and you're gonna have what you need when you need it. You see, a budget allows you to determine where your money's going instead of wondering where your money went. So many of us get to the end of the week and there's more week than there is money. And we throw up our hands and we go, where did it all go? You should know where it all went. If you're budgeting and living by that budget, you're going to know where your money's going instead of wondering where your money went. Proverbs 27 verse 34 says, know the state of your affairs and watch your business interest closely. What's he saying to us? Get it up on the top shelf, priority, to get fit fiscally, financially, to make sure you're strong and well as it relates to your finances. Make that a top shelf priority by being a tither and by operating by a budget. Thirdly, the third step in this process is giving. Now, some of you are gonna immediately go, oh, Jeff, we already covered that. It was the very first thing. You you told us we need to be tithers. Well, tithing and giving isn't the same thing. When, When you tithe, you're not giving God anything. That's already his. If you are using what's his, you're robbing God. That just belongs to God. Now, he promises if you're faithful with what's his, he'll bless you. But if you want to get into some real blessing, you step beyond that 10% that you, you know, we're obligated to God over and you start going beyond your obligations and you start reaching out to other needs through the form of giving. And that's when Jesus said, it comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You'll begin to know God's blessing on your finances in ways you have never experienced before. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter eight and verse seven. We're studying the Bible, come on. Paul writes here by inspiration and said, just as you excel in everything, Just as you excel in faith and in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest and your love for us, he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. One of the forms grace takes on is giving grace. Come on, how many want God's grace in your life? You want all of God's grace? One of the forms of grace is giving grace. And God said you should excel in that. When you can excel in giving grace, you are financially strong. You're well, you're whole, you're doing good. And that's where God wants every one of us. He wants us to arrive at that resort, but we're gonna have to resort to do things God's way in order to get to that destination. We've got decisions we have to make. Giving actually ensures that you have plenty in your earthly and your heavenly account. Some of you are not even aware you have a heavenly account. All of us have some form of bank account where we draw funds through checking or through debit or, or whatever. But the Bible describes a heavenly account that every one of us as followers of Jesus have. And I wonder how much is in that account today. 
Giving is going to determine how much is in that account. Philippians 4, verse 14 through verse 17. Once again, the words of St. Paul. He said, it was good of you Philippians to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what might be credited to your account. He's talking about a heavenly account there. That listen, you can draw from. As you give, you build that account up. And God sees to it that it's multiplied. It's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's running over. And it comes back to you. In the form of blessing, right here in this life, somebody say, thank God. God. A fourth step in this financial workout is investing. We need to invest. Uh, And in fact, your investment should include a retirement plan. And let me say to every young person in this room, you cannot start that early enough. I'm telling you, don't let financial fitness be a last resort. And many times our retirement is one of those last resorts where we don't think about it until all of a sudden we need it, right? You need to begin to set some aside for the days ahead should Jesus tarry. Listen, when you can't work like you work now and you can't provide for yourself like you can now, you need to be prepared for that day And so you need to begin to invest and you need to get some money in retirement. Listen, even if it's 10 or $20 a week, you'll be amazed at how that can compound over time and begin to build wealth for your latter years again when you're not gonna be able to do everything you're doing now in, in, in the way of an income. Listen to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, where the Bible said, the wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Okay. So which one are you? What category do you fall in today? A wise man saves for the future. The foolish man spends whatever he gets. Listen to Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. God says, listen, part of... Your investment strategy is not only going to take care of you now, it's not only going to take care of you in in the future, but it's even going to bless generations to come when you're long gone and you're with him there in that heavenly place. That's the will of God. That's what God wants to do for you and through you. In fact, listen, when we're truly financially fit, we no longer just work for our money. Our money works for us. That's what financial fitness looks like, and that's where God wants you to arrive. If that's going to be your destination, if that's the resort you're going to abide at, you've got to resort to the right measures. You've got some decisions that you've got to make. My dad, who I talk about often here, was a wonderful provider for all of us in my family. Uh, My dad, uh, we weren't you know, wealthy. We weren't Bill Gates wealthy. We weren't Rockefeller wealthy, but we had plenty. And my dad saw to it. He worked so hard to ensure it. Um, He always kept a nice roof over our head, food on the table, clothes on our back. He took such good care of us. And uh, not just 
back then when we were growing up. But he put measures in place that made sure that my mother, his wife, would be taken care of even after he was gone. In fact, if you, you've, you know, are part of our church, you know my mother went home to be with the Lord a little over a year ago. And the last five or six years of her life, my sister Helene and I attended to her affairs. And we had every penny we needed to have mom in a good place where she was taken care of. She had all of her needs met because my dad saw to that. And after she died, there was even money left over that my sister, my brother, and I have inherited. And it's not some windfall, some big sum of money, but it's there. And we're now able to invest it to make sure that when we're gone, our children will have something from, from us as well. So, so here we are now, not just me, but my children, and now even their children are enjoying the blessing of a decision my dad made. Now, here's what you need to know about my dad. He didn't grow up in that kind of affluence. His parents were extremely poor. My grandfather was a sharecropper. He didn't own the land they lived on or the house that he lived in. And the house that he lived in didn't even have a bathroom until I was almost a teenager. They were very poor. When they did get inside plumbing, my dad paid for it. And my dad paid to take care of the needs of his aging parents until their dying day. But somewhere along the line, my dad made a decision. My children aren't gonna live in that poverty. God doesn't want that. He made a decision. He resorted to some measures. He put biblical things in place to see to it that our needs were met, that we did well, that we were sound fiscally on to, again, generations to come. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful and Don and I are making those same decisions and we've determined long ago that we're gonna do the same and I call on you today, I call on you to arrive at the destination the Bible says God wants you fiscally by making those decisions today to do money God's way. On the one hand, you have the world that's gonna tell you money's where it's at and Jesus warns us the love of money is the root of all evil. On the other hand, you're gonna have religion telling you, hey, God wants to keep you poor so he can keep you humble. Nothing could be further from the truth. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, he wasn't talking about financial matters. He was talking about your posture before him and how you humble yourself before the Lord. And when we live humble before God, he promises to bless us in ways we can't even measure. So today, let's do money God's way and let's get financially fit. Amen. Well, I sure hope that the message really resonated with you today. Perhaps you're someone who's never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to God. If you're someone who can't really say you're living for God, if the truth is you're just living for you, if you're someone who has no real assurance about what awaits you when this life is over, listen, God loves you today. 
He's made provision for you to be saved and forgiven of all of your sins. You can be made right with God. He wants to give you a brand new life here and now and an eternal life when this life is over. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 10. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is simply waiting on you to call on him and make him Lord of your life. Why don't we do that right now by praying a very simple prayer together? Just pray this prayer. Let these words come right from your heart. God's going to hear that prayer. He's going to forgive your sins. He's going to make you right with himself. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again through faith in Jesus. I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I don't live for me anymore or the world around me. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And God, I thank you right now. Even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, hey, we want to know about it. Would you just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to the number that we've provided so that we can connect with you and give you some next steps. God bless you today, and thanks so much for joining us.